Hishjay and Huey, this is Noetta Harjo with the Real Indigenous News. The Academy Award nominations were announced last week and Killers of the Flower Moon came away with 10 nominations, including Lily Gladstone for Best Actress, the late Robbie Robertson for Best Original Score, and Osage Nation member Scott George for Best Original Song for Wajaje, A Song for My People. And Indian Country is mourning the loss of Kiowa author N. Scott Mamaday, who passed away last week in his home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Mamaday was the first indigenous author to win a Pulitzer Prize in fiction for his novel Housemaid of Dawn in 1969. Housemaid of Dawn is credited as the starting point for contemporary Native American literature. Mamaday was 89. From all of us at the Real Indigenous Podcast, our condolences go out to his family, his friends, and all of his fans. That's the news for this week. Don't forget to look for us on the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, don't just keep it real, keep it real indigenous. Welcome to Real Indigenous, where these indigenous peoples get real about what's on their screens and everything in between. Away and his Jay, I'm Noetta Harjo. With me, bringing thoughts, feelings, and critical minds is, as always, Uvanga Angela. Maduwika, this is Sunrise. Hey, everyone, it's Monica. How do Tim Chukma? This is Tully. And we have some very special guests with us tonight from the Choctaw Nation. We have Mr. Mark Williams, who you may remember from previous episodes. I tell everybody. And then we have uh, Darnell Colbert. Alito Chukma. Alito. And last one, but not least, we have Dwayne Hornbuckle. Alito, CO, this is Dwayne. Now, before we start, can you three tell us uh, what you do in your regular daily life? We'll start with Dwayne. Um, my regular life, I work for Choctaw Nation Tribal Services Youth Outreach. And that's some, uh, kind of a mentoring program for youth pre-K through 12th grade, home visits, school visits, um, also coach uh, youth league stickball, play adult league stickball. Um, right now we're playing a lot of 12 on 12 tournaments. Just anything I can do to help give the show the youth the other opportunities within and, and outside of the tribe. And Darnell, what do you do? Yeah, on a daily basis, uh, my language title is a language specialist too. On a daily basis, I aid in translation request, and I also substitute over 44 different schools in 10 and a half counties over Zoom and Polycom. And Mark is a filmmaker and has worked on many cultural films as well as sports films for different tribal nations in Oklahoma. Is that how you would describe your work, Mark? Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I talked to a filmmaker living in Shawnee right now. So I produce my own films, take on clients as well, Chocolate Nation being one of them. Uh, I've done a couple of stickball films for them. And um, I'm actually, my that's my uh, my production company, my work. Uh, I'm also the media director for Seminole Nation as well. Well, thank you guys for being here tonight. If you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock, the new Marvel series Echo just dropped last week. I have been talking with Mark here in the last week. We found out that we he knew a couple people that worked on this series. Dwayne and Darnell did some work with the series, and uh, that's what we're going to discuss tonight. A little bit about the behind-the-scenes work and everything that went into bringing Echo to the small screen. So does anybody want to start with questions? I mean, I just would like to know what each of you did working with the production company. Dwayne, you want to start? 
Um, yeah, I'll start. In the in the beginning, we had a uh, text that was uh, showing some interest, just vague details. Um, later on, we went through uh, some some headshots and things like that. Of course, COVID testing. So when we got two set, when I went initially, I was going to be a stickball player. Go to um, the first little section there where they sign all the papers, start measuring you for costumes and stuff. And then they told me, you're going to be the Cherokee chief. You're going to sit up here with the dignitaries. Yeah. So little change of wardrobe, which they made all right there on the set when I showed up and uh, all modesty out the window. There was a buffalo, buffalo hide laying on the floor and they measured me and started cutting. And then, then I'm dressed. <laughs> and um, Wow. Yeah. And that's what from the costume designers, costume makers and stuff that they said was different from normal. Uh, a lot of times they would use something synthetic, some kind of cloth that would resemble, you know, leather or something traditional. And for this for this production, they use they use leather, they use hides, they use fur. And this was in the middle of August in Atlanta. So it was a little warm. So it's so a real authentic. Yes, yes. Did they say anything about where they got those materials at all? That didn't come up. And I kind of wondered that myself, if they had like a go-to fur dealer or something. I know they have them in Alaska. I didn't know they had them down here. Well, I was just curious. So you played the Seminole, so the opposing team leader, right? The, the Cherokee, I believe. Yes. Oh, Cherokee. 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 <laughs> yes, played the Cherokee chief. And I am Choctaw and Cherokee, Choctaw tribal member, uh, work for a Choctaw nation, live south of the river. So I'm a Choctaw tribal member. <laughs> so I did have, I wouldn't say a line, but I had some, some words to say and stuff, kind of cheering, meaning like, boy, you did good. Of course, that got cut out. <laughs> so they were a little secretive about the script. You know, as far as taking people's phones when we checked in and stuff like that. And we filmed multiple scenes with multiple endings, I guess, so we wouldn't spoil anything. Uh, so I actually, I was a little surprised when we saw the finished product. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought we won. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that was um, episode two, the beginning yes. of episode two. Okay. Okay. And then uh, Darnell, what was your role on set? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so I didn't have any direct involvement, although I did get to look over some of the translations. I just want to say, you know, without the involvement and the help from our first language speakers, you know, Miss Billy and Mr. Davis, they put in tons of work on it, so it all goes to them. That's who gets the translations, you know, uh, clear through them. And so during my time here, um, like Mr. Davis, you know, if he needed help or he kind of wanted more insight, he would ask some of our language specialists that we have here, other people. So, yeah, although I didn't have any direct involvement, I did get to look over some of the translations. And like Dwayne said, they were kind of very secretive about the, the script. So there was only a handful uh, that I could see and help on. But that, that's pretty much that I did. We also have people, uh, you know, it's kind of the big talk here at the department. But a lot of people, a lot of my coworkers, they're doing the voiceovers. And it's kind of neat, very neat to hear the voices that are, you know, that's in the film. And I'm saving myself. I can only talk about the first film. I want to watch each film only in Choctaw. So I've 
only watched the first film, so so I might have to leave when the spoilers for the second film comes about. But um, the Choctaw, the the full Choctaw episode, um, we're seeing probably uh, early February is when that uh, second episode can be streamed all in Choctaw. Oh, that's awesome! That's so cool. I wanted to ask about. I don't know much about stickball. I'm I'm a Cinnaboyan in Lakota. And I was just curious when I saw like men and women playing together, if that was appropriate or, or traditional. Um, I'll start off. Traditionally, it wasn't, it wasn't the norm. Women didn't play. Now I'm sure that somewhere across the Southeast, there were women that were warriors that did play stickball. That is something they had a little liberty with to uh, promote the storyline. But yeah, traditionally, uh, even though there were matriarchal societies, the women made all the decisions, ran the tribes, and were too valuable to risk being injured or killed playing stickball. Could you tell us kind of insight on what the women's role were during the stickball games? Well, there's stories. uh, A lot of times, like I was saying, the women kind of called the shots so they would actually set up the games and word would travel people would come from you know miles around different trade routes and uh, these games may be scheduled a couple months out or lunar cycles out and so there would be big crowds not from just the just the two tribes or villages that had interest in the game the women would organize kind of gambling they would wager on the games then there are also stories of the women on the sidelines, on the field with River Cane. And if their husband or son or uncle wasn't playing up to par, would come out on the field and beat them to make them play better. Um, really? <laughs> yes. Because, well, because a lot of times the dispute was over land. So if we lost this dispute, we may have to move our whole village. So there was a lot at stake. And yeah, if you weren't giving it your all, you were going to get it from both sides. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems to be what the, is at stake in this episode at the yeah. Alabama area. Yeah, Darnell, plug your ears up. Yeah, so yeah, so I mean, if there were multiple scripts, the outcome of thinking uh, that one tribe had a relationship to Alabama over others in the 1200s would have been very different for those on set. Did you did you guys have anyone talk to you about the location about anything like that on set and maybe the outcome or I'm curious how that those facts played into the process of shooting and anything that you might have been prepped for as an actor. We did have members from Choctaw Nation Historic Preservation on site. We did I noticed there were some little changes to uh, some of the wording. It was kind of background noise when they're cheering and stuff. So they would they would update stuff. They would ask, you know, the producer director would ask in between takes, um, would this be accurate? While we were filming, we were told it was around 1000 A.D. When it came out, it was 1200 A.D., but same kind of uh, same time period. So there were also a couple guys from Cherokee Nation as as stuntmen, as actors but also from their historic uh, and language department, just to make sure everything was uh, kind of flowing and, and fit the time period, fit the script, fit the kind of general storyline of, of what a stickball dispute would be about. 
that is awesome. That is so awesome that they went to that links to to make it accurate, as accurate as possible. Just for um, context, um, maybe Mark, you could give a little bit more history about what stickball was from your films and, and maybe what it is today and then what kind of role women play in that now. Well, I think Dwayne kind of kind of did uh, some of it all pretty good. I mean, they didn't play in that fashion that you saw in episode two. You know, there are documented games where, where even in Alabama, there was a, a game between the Creeks and the and the Choctaws where it was over a land uh, dispute and the Choctaws won that game and apparently the, the Creeks were not satisfied with that. So they played a second game between the Creek women and the Choctaw women and the, the Choctaw women won that game. And so that land became under the um, uh, under the Choctaws. And there's actually a monument out there. It's called Choctaw Corner. And I forgot the town that it's in. Maybe Dwayne or Darn Darnell might know where it's at, but it's called Choctaw Corner. Um, so that's been documented. So there have been games before where Choctaws women were known to play, but their roles before is, you know, what Dwayne talked about. They were on the sideline. They were help, help with the gambling part of it. You know, they were known as the first cheerleaders because of that reason. They would go out there with River Kane and, and beat their man. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of their involvement with it. And then as it, as it, you know, we get into the 1800s, there's documented games where, you know, it's more of a sport at that point where they would play in, you know, large arenas through Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, between Creeks and Choctaws. And there was almost, almost a, a league kind of where there were teams from different, from different uh, Choctaw areas where they would play in front of large crowds, uh, men and women. So um, it evolved from since then, but for the most part, I think they got it accurate in that scene. Now, the way they scored is different. If you noticed, she ran through or they ran through two poles where the Choctaw game now is it's a, it's one, one pole and you have to hit it with the, with the ball. That game was played. That style was played back then as well. I'm not sure exactly when it evolved to the one to one pole. Um, that might be something Dwayne can answer if he knows that part or Dar Darnell might, but that style uh, was played as well where they, where they run through two poles. And it's still played today with the Seminoles and Creeks. Uh, they still play that way. I'm curious, how big is the field? I couldn't tell from the series if yeah. it was like a size of a football field or basketball. Yeah. It kind of ranges. I mean, it, it, between the, if they had a dispute, if it was between two villages, they would meet the day before, a few days before, and talk about the the rules of what they're going to go by. And sometimes it could be 100 yards. It could be a couple of miles between the two fields. So, And there was never really a set player limit or, or, or like a roster. I mean, they would they would decide all that beforehand before they actually played. But it varied between each dispute. So it could be, like I said, it could be 100 yards. It could be a couple of miles. And so with that, with that scene, it looked like a 100-yard field maybe with that particular scene. I, I'm, I think it, it just said Alabama. I'm assuming that was Moundville. By the way, it looked like between 1200 AD, it looked like about Moundville time. Do you know about the number of players? Also, I'm curious. It seemed like maybe there was like a a little over a dozen and a half or something on each side. But I'm curious if it's what you guys know or how you responded to the number of people we're seeing in the game. Uh, well, right now, well, for ahead. game right now, it would be 30 on on each roster. Well, on the field, uh, 30 versus 30 again for that for that scene for that time. It kind of depended on the dispute, what they what they was uh, disputing over. 
the size of the community, I'm sure. But for that scene, I mean, Dwayne was there. He could probably tell you how many was on each side. While we were filming, there were with the with the players there, with the stunt crew and everything. I would say there was around 15 per side, and it was a little smaller. The movie magic makes it look a little bit bigger than it was. But uh, yeah, traditionally, if it was a land dispute, like every male of fighting age, about 12 or so and up would be out there. So if your village was bigger, you had the clear advantage. Uh, and then like Mark was saying, there there's an account of a Choctaw Chickasaw game that was on a two and a half mile field with 1500 players. Again, it was uh, the size of the village, the size of the tribes and what the dispute was over. I imagine if it was the a dispute over a wedding, there would be less players out there. I'm sorry, you said a dispute over a wedding? <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes there were arranged marriages between leaders of one community or one village in another one. And then, you know, the old Romeo and Juliet and uh, Princess Bride <laughs> comes in and uh, sometimes they tried to defend her honor. Uh, so there are there were games over that in most situations it was over land or fishing waters or hunting area uh, but there were other disputes that were agreed to be settled by stickball so just for context the choctaw nation covered what current states so there's like, three there's there's three bands of choctaws of course you have your mississippi band of choctaw indians and then you have your gina band of choctaw indians and that's in louisiana and then, of course, Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. But before that, were they in like all the way to Georgia and Florida or? Oh, yeah. So Choctaws, they, their homelands are Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee and Mississippi area. And, you know, because of the removal, we, we're here in Oklahoma. And uh, I'm assuming that like when they're playing, let's say they play for some sort of dispute, it's often in relation to another nation or did the some of the bands play against themselves and the, you guys know if there's like inter band playing within the Choctaw bands and if those were similar disputes like land or marriage or something yeah so they would play between i mean with, with within the tribe too i mean within basically just community versus community village versus village if that's kind of what you mean yeah i guess that's yeah that's what i'm probably yeah. thinking and that's actually a version. There's a community game that the Chickasaws actually play. And if you ever got to witness any of their play style, they have a community style game. And it's with a big pole, almost like an electricity pole. And at the top, there sits a fish. And that, that's how they play. And it's more of to bring the community, the tribe together, have a good time. And so th this style of game, women and men, they can play against each other. And although... The, the women, they don't have any role. They can bite, punch, kick, slap. They can do anything. Uh, they, they don't use the sticks. Uh, the men, their role is, you know, they can't tackle the women. They can only like, block out or try to block their shot, and they have to use, use the sticks. And uh, I, I mentioned the fish on top, and uh, that's always a common question. And uh, just something that the people before me have told me was that, you know, our, our creator, you know, he shows us our, our way and through a, uh, through other life forms. And so at the fish up top, he's watching his kids play together, just have a really good time. So he's in that form of the fish. We believe that's the creator looking down, just watching us all have a good time to get together. So Darnell, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about, about language. Do you know if the, if the scripting was all in English 
if there were some language that already came before you, and then you've talked about some of the people that are talking in your office. Um, I'm curious if you know anything about the recording process, where they did it, if they had to do any rehearsal, all that. Yes, kind of stuff. I, yeah, and you know, with you know the NDA NDAs, I don't know how much I can say, but uh, yeah, as far uh, a lot of my coworkers, they through weekly. I mean, still now, you know, with the oncoming episodes, they're going down to Dallas and they're and they're doing the voice recordings there. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's just the talk of the apartment. I'm sure it's the talk of everywhere. And I'm just really glad that it, get, it gives an exposure. It shows a light to the Choctaw language. One thing I, I kind of want to add is that, you know, in the next five to 10 years, all of our, uh, you know, Choctaw fluent speakers might not be here anymore. And so I, I, I really think it's beautiful that uh, this day and age, you know, with, you know, everything going on there's a there's a show that has full Choctaw language it has anything and anything in Choctaw it's just really cool and really beautiful to see you know um, the past year and a half I did full submersive learning and I, I think it's just it really it really strengthens your Choctaw and I think that people who really aren't you know um, aren't really exposed to this type of stuff and you know like Choctaw kids for instance you know it's kind of hard to get, you know, our, our kids interested in things, but movies, movies and videos and things like that, you know, really seem to have that the younger generation on hold. And, uh, you know, for instance, my daughter, um, I'm teaching her Choctaw and she loves Marvel. And, and so uh, we watched the full episode in Choctaw language and uh, you could just see her face light up. It's just beautiful to, to see the language, you know, in, in this day and age. Well, and not to give any spoilers, but there's some beautiful songs. Yeah, I, 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 yes, I, they've told me about that, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to wait. You know, I really want to watch it so bad, but I'm holding myself back <laughs> so we can watch it all in Choctaw. So, and there uh, weren't some of the musicians Choctaw. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that that's beautiful to see is that they're also, you know, not just incorporating the language; they're also incorporating our own people. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny watching the show. I'll be like, oh, I know that person, you know, or um, like voiceovers. So uh, a lot of the episodes, they they are made before the voice acting can come out. And so that that's it kind of made it difficult within translations because they would try to match the video with the Choctaw that's being said. And it's kind of hard to, you know, work around. And so sometimes you kind of got to go back and re redo the script. But for the most part, I think, uh, you know, they hit it on pretty well. I know there's a there's a spot in the film that says, uh, and, you know, I mean, no money, you know, no money. And so all the all the talk back home and just from what I hear of the people, that was a really funny part for them because, you know, we, we understand that. And so when we heard that, it just it knocked the socks off. They said, you know, no money. So. It's just really, really beautiful to see see the language in the film. I know that sometimes when we're in this space now, like, you know, we have Prey that was translated. And you know, a couple of years ago, we had Navajo for a variety of different films, including Star Wars and one of the Pixar films. When these are translated, there's sometimes a place where language speakers are confronted by like having to figure out a new way to say something because it's uh, it, it hasn't been said that way or like the translation means you have to confront a new thought process about language can do you have an example that you feel like you talk about of one of those things yeah so I, i'm trying to remember this sentence it was like you don't believe in me 
it was like chixiemo and, and you know it, it's kind of funny and yeah just like english you know not everybody you know even how we're speaking now we don't speak correct english you know we're all, all kind of speaking a slang type of you know english and so that's just like with Choctaw. Everything that we say in English is not going to directly translate over to Choctaw. So, yeah, so you do have to kind of figure out a new way of saying things. Uh, and that, that's kind of how you got to go about it. But it, it's really funny because as a second language learner, um, we look at things different from our fluent speakers. So that's kind of where I, I say that's kind of where the help comes in from because our fluent speakers, they not, might not understand what this English sentence is really saying or like what they mean in English. And so then that's where they can come to second language speakers and say, hey, now what does this really mean in English? What's really the meaning behind this? Like, what are they meaning? And then so then that's when we can give them our thoughts and say, oh, it's kind of like, you know, this and that and put it in a Choctaw format from a second language speaker. I mean, it's remarkable. It's really remarkable with between prey and now echo and, you know, Good film. there's actually several films that are in Inupiaq. So mm -hmm. it's just really remarkable that this is getting the mainstream attention and it, it debuted at number one right? Yes. Yeah. on Hulu and Disney. So that is so cool. And now there's talk of like season two, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, please. Yeah. But was it really hard working with the production company? Were they easy to work with? Were they cool to work with? Yeah, I, I would say for the most part, um, yes, everything kind of went smooth. But like I like I mentioned, the biggest conflict that I think is that, like I said, the film is pre-made. So then we have to go back and sit because I think, for instance, like, not dish kati of me, like, what are you doing? Well, in the film, their move, their mouth kind of moves like very quickly. So it's like, okay, how we take not the me and shorten it down. And so then that's when we can come and say, oh, we say not the It's the same thing, but it's shortened down. So you're not saying that there's not a lot of movement with that, not the ishkatimi. So I would say that was the biggest conflict was trying to find the right, you know, sentences and how to say them and mix them with the film. And how hard was it to put sign language, American sign yeah. language, on top of all of that? That was my question: is the when they're signing to each other, is the will the sub will it be subtitles in Choctaw, or is it going to be dubbed over? So yeah, I think that is mo that's a separate. I think they had their own, you know, ASL department um, with that, but we're strictly uh, Choctaw language. You know, we don't. Yeah, we're, we're strictly Choctaw. But the char the the characters when they speak to each other, like. If you're going to be, they're talking to each other in English, but you're going to translate it to Choctaw, right? Yes, I, I, I would, I would think so. You know, when I, watching the film, when they did do the the sign language, you know, it did, it was um, in, uh, oh, it was in um, English. The subtitles were. The subtitles were okay, but they were dubbed over in Choctaw, like you yeah. could hear. Okay, gotcha. So I think, yeah, what they were saying in sign language is what we would say in Choctaw. Right, yeah. I mean, there seems to be a a very specific speaker for Maya, even though she's not vocalizing, like in terms of like the Choctaw dub titles. And, and that, I, that's I, really fascinating to see too, is that some of my close friends and coworkers, they, they are doing the voiceovers for them. And so when I'm watching the film, I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so, you know, that's my buddy right there, so... It's really interesting. Do you know if they were selected for any reason? 
to play certain characters? About summertime is when Marvel, you know, they came to the department and we were, we had meetings about it. And I was I actually got to be a part of a few of those meetings. But the date that we had started shooting down there, the voice recordings in Dallas, I actually had another uh, documentary project that I that I was in. So unfortunately, I didn't get to participate. But yeah, we, we had meetings months, months out. So there's tons of preparation for it. Tons of prep. That is so cool. It is very exciting to see all of that work put into it and, and to be made, you know, solely Choctaw. I, I, I'm, re I'm really happy for the Choctaw Nation to have this. So, and I mean, how proud are you guys about, about this whole, whole production? Myself, yeah, even, we though, had... even though I didn't have any direct involvement with it, 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 it was just cool just to see, see it on the big screen. And, and with being the Marvel fan, seeing a superhero like that and hearing the language, hearing the songs, uh some of the origin stories what was just really cool to see even though they kind of changed some of the origin story a little bit <laughs> unless unless i'm mistaking the part where the cave comes down is not part of our story we we did it originate from well one of our stories we did originate from 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 a cave but i don't remember anything about it falling down like they did for the for the film so that part maybe had a little bit of, of an issue with but other than that you know i i did enjoy it it was just really cool to see. Did y'all go to the premiere down at the casino? I wanted to go, but Dwayne didn't invite me. So uh -oh. I just had to. Yeah, I was on his just... invitation list. So. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, too, he's too big now, so. Yes, yes. Yes, I went and uh, represented Mark Williams well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, they rolled out the red carpet. We did that at the cultural center. And then went over and watched the first two episodes in the theater. And uh, some, some of the people with me, I mean, it was a big deal. This is Choctaw-based story and all this culture and history and language in the film. And they were more excited about the free Skittles that we got at, at the theater. <laughs> 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 yeah, you have all these natives uh, kind of rattling as they're leaving the theater because they're Skittles. Still in her pockets. So. <laughs> but it was just being part of it when they offered it to me. You know, everybody's aware of Marvel, maybe not to the extent of some other people, but my son, who's six years old, knows everything there is to know about Marvel since before he was born. So when I got the opportunity to do it, whatever little part it was, if I was holding the microphone, I was going to I was going to do that. And then because I work with kids and stuff, it's just great to see that representation. And we had a little watch party when it dropped Tuesday night. And even though it was a school night, kids were up at the office and uh, till midnight watching <laughs> watch Echo. So, but what got me was uh, last night, my son plays with Legos a lot and he made, he made a Maya minifig and he was trying to make a biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't find it. So. Oh, that's so that's cute. So yeah, Legos are cute with kids. So that's so awesome that he, he was able to be creative enough to figure it out. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So are you seeing a, an increased interest in stickball yet? 
stickball has been growing um, over the past, I would say, five years, especially. Some of that is due to just more exposure, more people playing. Then here in Oklahoma, we started playing these 12 on 12 tournaments, which basically is half the number of people, half the size of the field. Similar to like a three on three basketball would be to regular basketball. So those tournaments have been popping up all through the spring, which gets more kids coming out of our our youth league to play as adults, kind of get their feet wet without just going to stand on the sidelines and watching a game up close, (laughs) kind of like Mark there. Wow. (laughs) Hey, I had to take it. I had the opportunity. I had to get a shot at Mark. (laughs) But, yeah, the – the resurgence of stickball, we had a co-op with the Language Department and Cultural Center, which was a stickball camp, but all in Choctaw language. So they would, they they had a classroom setting first, got familiar with terms that correlate to stickball, and then went out and practiced some drills, and they were only allowed to use Choctaw language in those drills. So when you do something and associate it with a physical activity or, or craft or something, it sticks a little more. And then also it kind of gives those kids a little, you know, kind of um, something unique about them that maybe the other kids don't know all these words or not familiar with how they're used in a sentence. That's neat. That sounds awesome. Um, Darnell, are you finding more people are interested in learning the language these days? Yes. Yeah. Especially right now. And, and uh, I had that camp that Mr. Hornbuckle mentioned I actually got to be a part of that and it, man it was just lovely like he said we had the set of stickball terms that you could say in Choctaw uh, we did some drills like we kind of we say you know Simon says but we say Simon Magachuk Mutt you know when Simon says uh, we, we like to play that game uh, it just gets them really familiarized with that vocabulary and then we'd take them outside and then we'd do certain drills you know and something that I got to be a part of probably back in November, I got invited out to a, a, one of our academies that we have on reservation. And I got to go out there and speak uh, to the kids. I was out there for about eight hours and I was teaching them stickball terms. They have a lot of stickball players out there. And man, it's, it's just so cute to see. Uh, they're all saying these words that I taught them. And not only are they using it in stickball, I just got a call about a couple of weeks ago. And they're towards the end of their basketball season. But their teacher that I worked with on, on that project, uh, she sent me a video. And it was these kids using the stickball or the stickball. Yeah, the stickball vocabulary, but incorporating it in basketball games. So they're saying things like honsak, which is shoot. They're saying octoble, you know, like to block out. Or to pass. And uh, I've got to watch some uh, game clips of that. And, you know, the, the faces on the other team is just priceless, you know, because they, they don't they don't know what they're saying. So and also that is just very beautiful to see that they're not just only using it to something that they're, you know, where it's kind of originated at. They're using it in other sports as well. And uh, just to add in, I got to have lunch with them and play uh, on the playground with them. And we're playing Foursquare. And each time they get out, they say, they'd say, get out. And so I would say there is there is a big, big incorporation of, a, you know, a big push for the younger crowd to want to learn Choctaw. 
I know just for our department, the program that I was a part of was the language apprenticeship. And that started with four people this past October. We've added on 15 more people. And so by next October, we're hoping to bring on 50 more, 50 more language learners just to really save and hone in on, you know, the, the overall aspect of trying to save the Choctaw Nova, the Choctaw language. Cornell, could you uh, clarify how many speakers you have, how many like natural speakers you have right now? And then do you, do you know how many are, are learning right now? Yeah, well, so for fluent Choctaw fluent speakers, they've honed it down to less than 500. So that, that's very, very little. And especially because of COVID, man, where they just, it took a lot of our speakers out, unfortunately. And something that kind of even fueled my fire more was that, um, you know, when I was uh, going through the apprenticeship, my language teacher, um, the wife of uh, the man who actually got to work directly on the Echo film, Mr. Davis, uh, his wife, unfortunately, passed away. And for me, that just you know, woke me up even more than I was. Um, because it, it just happened so close and I just wanted to learn the language as fast as I could so I could teach somebody as well so they'll be able to you know pass on and spread the language and so yeah so with that apprenticeship like I said it was only four of us that started back in October of October 20, 2022 yeah and then this past October we brought on 15 so within the past year, we've, we've worked on, you know, translations, things like, you know, right now what the Choctaw Nation has is um, he does uh, the chief, he does blogs. And so now actually what we do, our first language speakers, they translate that so it can actually be Choctaw and English. With those 15 people, um, we've actually helped teach um, some of my coworkers, the four language specialists, they, they do uh, they aid in translations. They uh, substitute at schools as well, and ton tons of other things. You know, one thing that we have right now, our most recent program, is our language nest. And so, what that does, it it provides a, a multi generational learning and in, income in, in family. So, but right now, it's only offered in districts one and two. And so, what that does is bring a first fluent speaker, uh, a first language speaker into the homes of these families that apply for the program and they start learning Choctaw through that. And so, I mean, it's just beautiful. It, it's really beautiful to see that our, our Choctaw language is just, it, it is sad that there was such a, a loss, but I'm glad that there is such a, a pickup for it. There's, there's a push to save it. And I really think it's gonna be the younger generation that does it. So um, I'm not a language gatekeeper. Uh, I'm a language carrier. so I. I do anything I can to just pass on the language and hope someone can do that as well. Yeah, that's important work. Material like this will make that easier, that bridge for those who are non-speakers yeah. to learning. Yeah. And yeah. Very important. Mark, do you have any final thoughts about Echo and the big production and the outcome? I had a question actually for Dwayne about the about the production side of it. And just as a filmmaker, when I was watching it, I was kind of curious how they shot certain stuff. So, you know, with you had to to get your shots, you have to storyboard and everything. So I know a lot of it was kind of scripted or choreographed, but question for Dwayne, did they at some point just kind of did like uh just let them just just play and they just film around it, just you know, and got what they got, or was everything scripted, every kind of movement? They did kind of turn everybody loose the last day of shooting and with um with disney and marvel investing that much money in it 
they were really careful on um, on some of the shots early on because they didn't want any of the stunt people injured, definitely none of the main characters. That last day of shooting, I would say for the last about hour, they had to switch out cameras quite a bit, but they just basically let everybody play and all the extras there were actually cheering. And that's a lot of the scenes they used of, of the people cheering was taking place in that last 30 minutes of shooting because a lot of the, the extras just along the side weren't Choctaw. Some of them had never seen stickball before they came to set. So they were learning about it as, as we were filming. But uh, they can recognize that it's a sport and you're cheering and stuff like that. So, yeah, the last, I would say they got some good shots the last 30 minutes where they have the, the big vest and the, the guy with the portable camera. He got right in the middle of them. And, you know, they were, they were a little worried about their equipment. It probably cost more than a stickball player, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those so did, are actually did, some really did good the players shots bring their own sticks? <clears throat> oh, okay. So, yes, everybody brought their own sticks. Of course, we had to take any tape or any writing and stuff off of it. So, uh, like Brenner was at the hotel the day before with, uh, with the sander, just sanding away on sticks. So. <laughs> and then, then we get there. And they already have sticks made. They have yeah. prop sticks that are wooden. And then for some of the scenes where there's a lot of action, they're made out of some type of kind of rubber resin. Um, and they were actually two pieces. And a lot of times after a take, they'd have to put the sticks back together. But from, you know, 10 feet away, they looked like real sticks. So their props <laughs> department went through a lot of trouble to, to make them look real. How long were the shooting days when y'all was out there doing that? long we go stage maybe 5 30 5 in the morning at atlanta motor speedway and then it was a short bus ride after everybody went through makeup and everything got their breakfast it was a short bus ride over to a farm where we were shooting and uh we would be there i think one night we got back to the hotel about midnight and had to be back up the next day so yeah they were long days they they wanted to get everything they could out of the that short time frame with that many extras on set. And like I said, a lot of the, the extras weren't, weren't Choctaw, weren't familiar with it. They just go to wherever they need extras. Do you know if Morningstar Angeline, did she have any special training for her, her role as Lowock? I'm not sure as far as the, what kind of training or anything they had, because we were just there for a short period of time, about a week and a half for the, the flashback stickball village scene. It was obvious they had at least talked about it. And some of the um, some of the stunt people, one of them, Brandy Lewis, who is Choctaw, lives in Florida, was familiar with it beforehand, being from Oklahoma originally and stuff like that. So I'm sure they had, at the very least, watched some videos and kind of <laughs> went through a little bit of extra training um, maybe anticipating some bumps and bruises. Was there any point when they were filming, you said they there was some people from Chocolate Nation, Historic Preservation there, I guess, as advisors. Was there any point where the the filmmakers wanted to shoot something and then Chocolate Nation stepped in and said, no, nah, we don't we do not do it that way? Or was there any kind of thing where that happened, where they, ch they changed it because of what Chocolate Nation said? There were a couple of uh, small things when they were kind of panning across the arbor we were under. 
I think one of them, one of them was something simple. Somebody was clapping and they said, well, nobody would clap in 1000 AD. So <laughs> a couple of little things with some wardrobe and things like that. And I'm sure there was, there was much more behind the scenes. That was just something they kind of did on the fly back behind the scenes where they're reviewing, reviewing shots and stuff. Dr. Ian Thompson was back yeah. there. If there was anything that was not what they talked about, it was it was pointed out and corrected pretty quick. Good deal. Any uh, last questions before we move on? I feel like I had one about the origin story. I'm just curious, you know, like you guys are talking, uh, or at least Mark was kind of talking about how it seemed like there was some, a little bit of adjustments. I'm curious about what was working about the origin story and if the names seem to line up with what you guys know and if it seems like maybe the depiction might reveal anything to you guys about the origin story. Well, the part where, um, so, so the cave, we have a, an origin story to where not just Choctaws, but other tribes came from this cave. First thing from the, the Muscogee people. Uh, so the creator would, would mold people from red clay and out of this cave, First came the Muscogee people, second was the uh, the Cherokees, third were the Creeks, and the fourth were the Choctaws. And so that's where they just basically came out of the cave. I don't remember anything about a cave falling or anything like that. So I think they probably took liberty with that part just to make it look like she saved the family to where way back then the original Choctaw was, like she was a hero back then. That's what only thing I could think of because I don't think that's ever been a part of our story where the cave fell through. It was just we came out of the cave. And the part where it looked like, I guess it was red clay kind of coming off their skin. I never even heard of that part either, but that's kind of where it, I'd likened it to was it looked like that's what it was. They were molded from clay, came out, and that's where you know you saw the skin mold from from underneath it. But other than that, and I, I, what was the name? Was it Lowak was her name? which I've never heard of that either. Um, so that might be something that they, they came up with just to give her, you know, a, a character. Yeah, But those I are two, the two chocolate. things that were different. Oh, the player was Lowak, that's right. Yeah, chocolate. And so I never heard of it being one individual. It was just, that's where they came from, people. So it was, it was a group of Muscogee people, a group of Cherokees, and and then uh, Creeks, and then Choctaw. Chickasaw, right? We're after that. Chickasaw, that's right. Right, right. And Choctaws were last. Well, you're going to say they, that they saved the best for last? Well, that's, of course. You know, they, they, they got it right. The creator got it right on the last one. Broke, broke the mold. Hey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, hey. figured it out. Yeah, worked through it. Okay. So, uh, Mark, or you guys, there was a, a, a version of the story where they came out and there was the mud and stuff on them that they laid out until they dried off and then got mm -hmm. up and walked. Isn't that one of the stories? Yeah, that yeah, they they lied, yeah, they dried out and then laid in the sun. And I don't think they I don't remember if they showed that in the in the series, but that was part part of the story is yeah, they laid out in the sun to let the the clay, the mud fall off. Well, if they did take poetic license on it, it it looked really cool. <laughs> What advice do you have for filmmakers who want to incorporate origin stories into their work? 
Mark? Well, just be as just be as accurate as possible. You know, just be respectful about it, and and know that these stories are something that's sacred to the people and it's something that's important to them. And don't take as much liberty with it. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't. It wasn't something where I just turned off and didn't watch it, but it, it stood out to me that that's not like I guess because this is the introduction to the world the people of about chocolate culture and they might think that's what our origin story was and it wasn't so that's the part that kind of bothered me a little bit that if this is their introduction then they got it wrong so i would say just be be accurate about it be respectful about it get it right or i don't know maybe at some point put some not disclaimer but something that uh, show that they, that they took liberty in some of the stories Something to let it be known that because, like I said, this is people seeing Choctaw songs and language and culture for the first time on this stage. You know, you kind of want them to get it right. Do you think it matters at all that it after the origin story, we kind of pull back and it's basically Maya and her father kind of like telling the story? The fact that there's like a storyteller in the frame. I'm curious if that has any leniency. It could. Of- I could. Yeah. yeah, I could see that just because, you know, our history is told through oral, stor- oral storytelling. And so that's what it that's what it was, is he was telling his his daughter this. So I think it kind of was told through that point. So, Sorry, yeah. wasn't it wasn't it Bonnie telling the story? Am I missing? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Bonnie. So, yeah, a little girl telling that yeah. story might. But yeah, accuracy is key. But that's where I mean, again, I think was it was just exciting to see that. Our our words, our songs, is was introduced to this this size audience on on, on this stage, which was really really awesome. I don't know. It, it I guess it just hasn't really hit me yet. I guess because I mean I, I watch Marvel stuff all the time, but um, I guess just kind of just sit back and think about, like you said, this 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 came out number one on Disney and Hulu. And that everybody heard this language and and these songs and you know it's just uh, one thing you got to sit back and just kind of take it in for it and let it let everything kind of just process. So uh, really cool, really cool to see some of the stickball players. Like I said, I saw a lot of familiar faces in there. So that that was that was that was exciting to see. Hoping that season two will will come out. So uh, Darnell, do you have any final thoughts about what you've seen so far and what you know about the series? I guess with conflicts that were mentioned earlier, there wasn't that many. I would say uh, there was there was a scene or a clip in within the previews or in one of the first episodes that someone mispronounced a word. It's supposed to be Tushka, not Tushka, and Tushka, that's how yeah. it was pronounced was Tushka. And so that was uh, that. we kind of got some backlash on that, and uh, you know we kind of we uh, took a hit for that, and. Uh, and I would just say it's really hard, you know, especially because our language is so old. It's so old. And also I'm trying to replicate that language for hearing it for the first time. You know, it would seem easy, but it's actually pretty difficult. I mean, I can remember when I was first learning the language and hearing and trying to replicate sentences and words, I would just mouth, you know, I would fumble my words terribly. You know, and that's kind of the only conflict with that. And you know, you mentioned a character, uh, Low Walk, and I think um, that was there was a conflict in that too, because originally I think there was two characters, it was Mothley and Low Walk, but you know, Low Walk means fire, and uh, Mothley means wind, so they gave the abilities of, I guess they they had the names fumbled up, and so that was the kind of only conflict we had was why was this character 
not the luck, you know, because the luck is fire and Wante is win. But besides those two things, I think that it's really beautiful. Um, you know, I can't wait to see what, what comes after that. Like Mark said, you just have to process it, you know. Even in this new age now and all these computers, USBs, all the all these, you know, materials that we have, unfortunately, you know, how Spanish they have like news channels, um, they have everything in Spanish. But unfortunately, Choctaw doesn't have that. So for Choctaw to be on the big screen, it, it's really beautiful to see. And um, also something I kind of want to add is that there's dialect differences. So also what kind of has been a conflict was within uh, like the Mississippi band of Choctaw Indians and even some of our fluent speakers here in Oklahoma that they're like, ah, um, the Choctaw really doesn't sound right or I really don't understand it. There's a dialect difference and especially Oklahoma speakers. There's a big difference between Oklahoma speakers and Mississippi speakers. But that's, that's just the result of, you know, that generational trauma that I guess that further in, in language, you know, and how far it gets watered down, you know, we, we start to develop different dialects, like someone here in Durant or Atoka area might speak differently from someone in the Tallahena or Broken Bow area. And so I, I would just, you know, if, you know, any other Choctaws, you know, speakers are listening, you know, and just take that with a grain of salt, you know, there is dialect differences, but all, you know, um, at the end of the day, it, it is Choctaw. It, it is the Choctaw language. So I, I would just, I can't wait to see what's come. So don't don't spoil this, that second episode <laughs> for me. <laughs> All right. We try and talk really hard not to say anything. <laughs> 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 Spoiler. <laughs> uh, Dwayne, any final thoughts? I'll just say again that it was it was awesome from the start. And not just because it had Choctaw language and history and culture in it, just as as a new Marvel series, a shorter series, bringing in new characters and the the fight scenes, there was a lot of CGI, but a lot of the fight scenes were actual physical fights, no lasers and and throwing cars and stuff like that. So that was um, just in itself as a Marvel episode of Marvel story was interesting and then for kids to see them speaking Choctaw saying words that they they know recognizing people that they've seen at different events throughout Choctaw Nation just kind of adds to all that where um, and that's a, what a, a lot of what we try and do in our program is give them a positive sense of identity and this is more than we could ever do with you know dozens of group meetings for them to see it on on Disney Plus, on Hulu, number one streaming in the country. So it's awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your cold evening. <laughs> if you're in Oklahoma, you're probably freezing right now, like, like yeah. I am. <laughs> Any final thoughts from uh, everyone else? Angela. Yakoke for joining us. Uh, I double that. <laughs> Monica anything from Monica or Tully it's been a privilege to for you to share this and um for me to get to be able to learn a little bit more about Choctaw culture really enjoyed it it's really made what I watched so much so much more interesting and I want to go back and watch it again for sure yeah. mm -hmm. Tully 
Yeah, man. Thanks a lot, brothers, for being on, man. I appreciate it. It's good to hear y'all talking about that and all that, all your input on that. I like. I have like a million questions, so I'm just gonna <laughs> just let it be for later or some other time, because you know I appreciate y'all doing the Lord's work. You know, doing all that, the stickball, the uh, language, all that good stuff. You know, and Mark, what you call it, c- continuing on by having it filmed and Dwayne teaching all the kids. He's our, he's our poster child of stickball. I see him all over the billboards everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then and Darnell right. is working with the language. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Same Indigenous time, same Indigenous channel. You can also find us on the socials. We are on Facebook at Real Indigenous Podcast, Twitter at Real in, underscore Indigenous, and on Instagram at Real Indigenous Pod. As always, just remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real. 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 Indigenous. Indigenous. Indigenous.